The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Spend my dollar. It's not about what you want. It's about what you're willing to do to get it. Run it again. Hello and welcome. I'm not going to, so quit asking. When you give me a hard time. For the listeners that didn't get to go. This is the payback. What you did last year really doesn't matter. Our goal is to have the kind of team that nobody wants to play. Hi. Hello and welcome to a We're Gonna Have to Get Through This Together edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Gather around, friends, and let's get this process started. We're gonna focus on Alabama. The name of the show kind of gives us away. But let's just acknowledge Texas was the better team Saturday night. It hurts, but deep breath. It also heals. Sarkeesian is a masterful offensive mind, and his return to Tuscaloosa was calculated and well-prepared. It, too, was well-executed. For a moment, though, when Dixieland Delight mode was engaged following an Alabama score, it just felt like the tide had turned. Texas would wilt, and Alabama would escape with scratches and scrapes, but also with a win. But it was not to be. That Texas fight despite all of the grievances we may have with the home team, was impressive, improved enough to carry the day. Swallow the bitter pill, and let's move forward. Texas, well done. All right, now let's get to work. Offense, you're up. When Alabama fans vocally recommend that the team call more running plays, it's mostly like they're cheering for their favorite flavor of ice cream. When the same fans vocally recommend that the team call more pass plays, it seems that confusion has set in. And from my seat Saturday night, that's exactly what happened. It felt like Alabama was running plays rather than executing an offense. And there's nothing complimentary about that. To me, that likely speaks to a quarterback issue. Can a quarterback run the full playbook? Are we playing with one hand tied behind our back relative to the scheme that the coaches would prefer to run? So let's jump in, start with the quarterbacks like we do. And uh, Jalen Milrow got the start for week two. 
Not everything about his performance was bad. In fact, there was a lot of good. He was 14 of 27. That's barely 50%. Uh, 255 yards, uh, 44 rushing yards. It's a 300-yard day, but it was on 15 carries, uh, 2.9 average, not dynamic and explosive as he's known to be. He did have two touchdowns, but two painful interceptions. Uh, and he had two touchdowns that were called back for penalty. One actually kind of tied to Milrow's play style. We had an offensive lineman downfield on a broken play. Uh, everyone in the stadium thought that he was running, found an open receiver, threw the ball, great play, but there was a lineman downfield, so that was called back. Uh, there was another touchdown called back on holding. That has less to do with Milrow's play style, I'd say. Still, there was a, a, had there been a better, there was a pass to Roydell Williams. Had that been a better pass, that would have gone for a touchdown. Uh, there was a, had there been a better pass on just a beautifully wide open uh, wheel route, that also would have gone for a touchdown. Then the two interceptions, and they were both horrible, and they led to 10 points, which not unironically is the, uh, the margin of the game. Just looking at just Milrose play alone, and I'm not trying to put this all on his shoulders, uh, but uh, the Mike Dubose uh, five-play rule kind of comes in uh, into play, looking at the, the things happened here. The question everyone has, or everyone has an opinion on, is should Alabama have rotated quarterbacks? And it's an interesting question. I think it's the wrong question. Uh, or if not the wrong question, it's not the right question. Saban and his post-game presser, to me, put facts on the table or thought process on the table that suggests a better question, a bigger question. Uh, Saban indicated, and I'll paraphrase, but the three key points of his sort of breakdown to that question is we thought about it, and he kind of circled back to it, and he said, "It's your mind goes to it, uh, but he emphasized we didn't discuss it. That's the big one for me. We didn't even discuss it. Uh, and then he makes a good point with Milrose, uh, uh touchdown pass, which was a phenomenal play uh, for the go-ahead touchdown. We thought that he had the confidence to continue to play out the game. And so that's a reasonable sort of thought process. But that process, that thought process, makes the most sense if one thing is true. Milrow is the unquestioned starting quarterback. But we don't think that's true. According to fall camp in the week leading up to game one, in the week leading up to game two, it's an open competition. Well, if it's an open competition, then not only do you think about it and not only do you discuss it, but you have a plan for it. It's not a competition if the competitors can't compete. Or... And this is the key question, or is there not another quarterback that's as ready to play as Milrow? Now that is the key question. If he's, the, if he's truly the entrenched starter, then Saban's thought process makes sense. If it's an open competition, then we may not have enough competitors to fill out the fight card. That is a bad situation for Alabama fans. It's a bad situation for uh, the team. So that's where I'll leave the quarterback uh, discussion. Uh, boy, if I had an opportunity to, to uh, uh, create uh, or, or to be at the tomorrow Monday's presser, uh, that's the line of question that I would go at. And it would create an epic rant, I'm certain. But I think that's where the, the question 
uh, lives. I think that is an answer that uh, the coaching staff needs to, to figure out. And I think that will, the answer to that question will dictate uh, how well uh, Alabama performs, I think, on uh, over, the, over the course of the season. Now, let's jump to offensive line. Alabama swapped out 40% of their offensive line after Texas last season. I might predict a, re, a repeat performance this year. Caden uh, Proctor, uh, freshman, all-world recruit uh, at left tackle, he's not ready from a pass protection standpoint. And so that might give Elijah Pritchett an opportunity to earn back his position. Seth McLaughlin, and I am a longtime fan of Seth McLaughlin, he has come in the last two seasons and stabilized the offensive line. He has always had a little bit of an issue with snaps. He's always been good for one or two maybe bad snaps uh, in a game. He had three or four uh, against uh, MTSU a week ago, and he had quite a number. Saturday uh, against uh, Texas. And so that may open up the opportunity for Dalcourt to step back into the center uh, or if maybe James Brockemeyer is ready to go. And then Darian Dalcourt of his own accord, uh, he's just blocking at the guard position. I don't think he's ready for that. And so Terrence Ferguson, I think, may earn an opportunity. So if we saw an offensive line, certainly in practice, there's no reason not to roll those guys out as starters in practice. Uh, this lights some fires under some some rear ends. But if uh, if Alabama rolls out in Tampa next week with Elijah Pritchard, uh, James Brockemeyer, and Terrence Ferguson uh, as three of the five starters, that's got to be a good thing for the competition and the motivation uh, across uh, across the unit. So that'll be uh, certainly a fun thing to watch. Uh, the offensive line did allow five sacks and uh, only opened up holes uh, for 3.1, a uh, 3.1 yards rushing average. And that, that includes uh, Milrose runs. So I think the heat definitely needs to be turned up. The talent is great. The talent up and down uh, the offensive line, I think is, is phenomenal. I just think there's a need to sort of turn up the dial, the heat around the competition. And I would also look at maybe repping quarterbacks under center. And so we take the bad snaps uh, out of the out of the equation. There were some good conversation fans that I was sitting with uh, at the game. There were some great competitions. So I want to give credit to, uh, to to those conversations. When you have a quarterback that's less intuitively skilled passing the ball, like a Bryce compared to a Bryce, the more times that you know with a snap he has to take his eyes away from the field and to to pick up the ball to secure the ball, and then and and look back up and and catch back up to where the receivers and defenders are. Bryce is a little more intuitive. He he sees it in his in his mind. So when he looks down and looks up, he's not lost continuity. He's not changed channels uh, in a way that maybe uh, Milrow does. And so when Milrow looks down, grabs the ball and then looks back up, he needs it's it's a it's like a task switching. He needs to replug in to what's going on downfield. And that causes him to to overthrow some passes, misthrow some passes, uh, where he thinks someone's going to be open. Uh, maybe a safety rotates over while he's scooping the ball off the ground. And when he throws the ball, that can lead to those types of interception. Maybe a receiver uh, breaks a route and Milrow comes up throwing as opposed to that taking that extra uh, pulse to see where the ball actually needs to go. So I think I think those two things are, that's an interesting sort of hand and glove uh, situation there, and uh, we may and, and so if that uh, necessitates putting the the quarterback under center, then uh, certainly we'd have to do that too. That may also 
in this day and age of football, not many quarterbacks have a lot of reps under center. And so that may uh, impact. Uh, that may be something that we just can't do, that the Alabama coaching staff just can't implement that style of play uh, on such short notice. But it's certainly something I would start repping. If I had a, a say in it, something I'd start repping um, with uh, with uh, the centers and the quarterbacks. Uh, we have enough centers and enough quarterbacks that uh, they can all spend a little bit of time doing that. Uh, running backs, uh, the, for this week especially, I don't really have a whole lot to say about the running back uh, position. Uh, they were largely victims of the quarterback and offensive line situations. Uh, Jason Roy, Dell were the primary runners. Uh, Jamarian Miller got a couple carries, and that was it. We didn't uh, we didn't uh, go any deeper in the uh, in the, the running back room for for additional carries. I think let's check back next week and see how the uh, how the run distribution goes. Uh, hopefully, the offensive uh, line performs better, and the running backs are uh, more more uh, successful and uh, in moving the ball on the ground receivers. I thought is a unit to play uh, the, the group played well. Uh, there were some acrobatic catches, which again is a function of passes being a little bit off target. Uh, Kobe Prentice was five, uh, five catches for 68. Jermaine Burton had two catches for 58, 58 yards. He had a beautiful 49 yard touchdown. And then he missed out on two more touchdowns. Uh, ironically, they they sort of centered around Burton, but uh, he had two more catches uh, that he uh, took for touchdowns, but they were penalties, so they were called back. Uh, Malik Benson climbed the ladder for uh, two catches, 33 yards, uh, helped Alabama move the chains a couple of times, and Amari Nyblack continues to be a weapon uh, out of the tight end position. He had two catches for 45 yards and one significant touchdown. Uh, He had a beautiful uh, jump up and catch the ball, and then uh, he he uh, just was able to sniff out the end zone. It's the second week in a row where he has caught a pass and and was able to sniff out the end zone. So he's definitely an opportunity, uh, definitely a player that gets open and is able to uh, pursue yards after the catch. Mini game ball. If I have to give a mini game ball on offense, I'm going to give it for James, uh, to Jermaine Burton uh, largely for the uh, explanation that we've already provided. Uh, his non-touchdown catch was a phenomenal catch. He climbed the ladder to grab that. Again, the pass was a little off target. Uh, he climbed the ladder for that. I think that uh, catch moved the chains. Uh, and then I just appreciate his effort on the two touchdowns that he had, even though they were called back. One was a batted ball into the end zone, and he was he dove uh, to, to grab the ball before it touched the turf. And the other, he had a nice run. Uh, after catch evaded a couple of tackles. Uh, unfortunately, they were both called back. But his effort uh, throughout all of his play uh, I thought was on point. So we celebrate uh, Burton for that. All right, let's uh, switch the field and talk about defense. Alabama defense Saturday is going to be judged on the outcome of the game, and that's how it works. And I'm not suggesting we not judge it on that. I'm just saying let's understand the pieces of the picture that make the whole. Let's not just judge them the fullness of the mosaic. Let's go look at some of the individual tiles. And I thought the Alabama defense played very well through the first three quarters, uh, allowed only 13 points to Texas uh, through the first three quarters. On the game, uh, uh, forced or allowed only seven of 18 third down conversions for Texas. Uh, so that's that, those are really good numbers in terms of trying to get an opponent off the field. 
uh, held Texas to field goals early, uh, sometimes uh, a couple of times, even with uh, even with short fields. And so I thought uh, the Alabama defense played well in that regard and held Texas to 2.8 yards rushing. And that's on 37 attempts. And so that is over the course of a contest uh, stamping down or clamping down on the rushing game. And so I thought those those are definitely uh, fantastic accomplishments or, or performance by the defense. Now, the Alabama defense also allowed 20, 21 points in the fourth quarter. Well, that's way too much. Uh, allowed 454 yards uh, overall and 349 uh, passing yards. Uh, so that's where Alabama really struggled. Alabama struggled with turnovers. There were zero turnovers that the defense uh, was able to uh, bring to bear. There was close. There was a close to a fumble, but uh, no no turnovers uh, created by the defense. And then there were zero sacks, which probably is the biggest surprise of the day. Uh, the pressure that Alabama was able to get on uh, Ewers, uh, Texas quarterback, was just non-existent. I thought Ewers did a good job of his uh, his fakes. He executed fakes on every single play, and and the half a second uh, per play that 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 can create or slow down the defenders, uh, the, pa- uh, the 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 pass rush. Uh, I think that aided. Uh, aided the uh, certainly the offense and, and zero sacks on the day. Alabama's got to do something to manufacture some pressure if it's blitz, if it's stunts, uh, especially against the Texas offensive line. I thought that would be an opportunity, uh, and alas, it was not. The defensive line and linebackers are taking some heat uh, from the fans on this game. That's okay. Some heat is okay. Uh, but again, the way that uh, the linebackers and defensive line clamp down on the on the rushing game, I think they deserve uh, more credit than there uh, than is being allowed. The secondary now the secondary is taking some heat, and the secondary is where really my question uh, or my questions exist. Terry and Arnold was targeted and targeted three times. Uh, I think he defended one, had a pass interference uh, on another, and allowed a touchdown. Uh, on a third, uh, but he also had four tackles, a pass deflection, and uh, and a TFL. And so, I don't think his game was as bad as as some are saying, but it it wasn't a great game. It wasn't his best outing by uh, any stretch of the imagine, imagination. Uh, Trey Amos, uh, the transfer from uh, from Louisiana, he was targeted and he was beat pretty badly once uh, for a touchdown. He also had a pass. Uh, deflection. There were numerous instances of the secondary, and Saban spoke to this in his presser, uh, instances of the secondary being out of position, uh, not set up at the snap. And I find that incredibly frustrating. And uh, here's here's sort of where my line of concern or where my line of question uh, uh, resides with the secondary. When we think about you know bringing in Kevin Steele, and simplifying, sort of getting back to the basics. And we think about simplifying the defense. And we saw this, some of this against um, uh, MTSU. I think we got away from the simplification against uh, Texas. And, you know, simplifying things should be, that should mean making things easier, making things more simple, right? Uh, And and what we end up doing is, I think, confusing uh, what simplification means. And especially when we rotate from nickel to dime. And so here's how I lay this out. Uh, when Alabama plays a nickel, and we know Alabama bases out of a nickel. So when Alabama plays their base nickel, Malachi Moore plays at the star position. 
and he plays that position quite well. And Terry and Arnold plays the corner position. And most times, Terry and Arnold plays that position very, very well. When Alabama switches to a dime, and so instead of five DBs, they bring in a sixth DB, they shuffle the deck. Terry and Arnold moves from corner to star. Trey Amos comes in to backfill at corner. And Malachi Moore moves from star to dime or to money. And so instead of one person coming in and taking a piece of the coverage wheel, one player comes in and two players switch positions. Think of it, and I'm oversimplifying this by probably an order of magnitude, but if you have a pie and you're playing five DBs and so you've split the pie, right? There's five, you know, five sort of pieces of the field that these five DBs are going to cover. If you add a dime back and you say, now we've got six DBs covering this pie, everyone's job should get just a little bit easier because the amount of field that each individual player has to cover is proportionally shrunk, right? Except for when you move players to different positions, not only are you changing the size and dynamic of the pie, the responsibility of the individual players, when you move players, now it's a different pie. It's not all pumpkin pie that we're playing from. Now we've switched over to a rhubarb pie or we've switched over to something else. And so now my responsibilities are not just a little bit condensed from what I had. It's a whole nother set of responsibilities. And so my net responsibilities that I have to be aware of uh, going into a game has actually increased. And so is that simplifying? No, in the truest sense, it's not. And so I think that's an opportunity that uh, – that Alabama should look at how can we truly simplify the net responsibilities that, that players have. Maybe their responsibilities on one play is simplified or, or one sort of personnel grouping is set up. But when I play different positions based on the three, at least the three different personnel groupings, a base, a nickel, and a dime, if I have a different bucket of responsibilities, then I've got three buckets of responsibility as to one bucket that has maybe concentric circles of responsibility. So hopefully that makes sense. Uh, but uh, I think uh, that was a curious thing. I'm not surprised because we talk about getting the best players on the field and versatility and players that can play different positions and all of that's good. But when you move players around and shuffle the deck, it can, uh, it can create confusion. We saw that in the secondary. I think that's something that, that, the Alabama coaching staff should should aspire to clean up. Uh, talk about some individual players, and there were some good performances. Uh, Tresman Marshall, uh, uh, middle linebacker transfer from Georgia, he was in on 10 tackles. Uh, Caleb Downs uh, in on 10 tackles. There was a, an opportunity or there was a, a situation where Saban was getting onto him, and so Caleb was one of the safeties that let people get over top. Uh, but Caleb, by and large, played well, uh, 10 tackles. He's going to be a star. He's a true freshman, but you put a true true freshman in the defensive backfield and sometimes you get what you get. Deontay Lawson, he had eight tackles. Uh, one was solo, so seven, a lot of uh, a lot of sort of combo tackles. I thought for my money he had sort of a quiet day, but uh, he, he ended up uh, showing up on the stat sheet pretty well. Uh, Malachi Moore, uh, I thought was all over the place, uh, and again, sort of moving positions. He's the guy that you can move in different positions, and he doesn't really worry me. Now, in deep coverage, maybe a little bit, uh, but playing sort of box forward, 
you can put him anywhere box four, and I feel really, really good about And had an opportunity to see him up close before the game. Malachi Moore is a big fella. Uh, Alabama has had linebackers uh, come through that maybe not quite as big as uh, Malachi is. He's a, he's a, he's a big, fair, uh, big fella. Uh, he was in on four tackles, one pass deflection, uh, and it looked like a couple of times he was just really laying wood and knocking some uh, some balls loose. He came close to creating a couple of turnovers. And uh, I wish uh, Alabama had 11 Malachi Moores or 11 players out there on defense that were playing uh, with Malachi or Kai's uh, level of effort. All right, let's talk about mini game ball on uh, defense. I'm going to give it to Tim uh, Tim Keenan, uh, Tim Keenan the third uh, defensive lineman. Uh, he had five tackles. He's an interior uh, defensive lineman, so racking up tackles is not necessarily what they do. Uh, but I definitely give him some credit for his performance Saturday. And uh, in terms of you know suppressing the Texas running game, Tim Keenan was a key player in that, as, as well as his line mates. And so, um, again, didn't get pressure uh, on the quarterback as fans would like, certainly as the coaches would like, but suppressing the run, holding an opponent – to 2.8 on 30-some-odd carries, 37, 38 uh, attempts, is, that is success. Uh, that is, uh, and, and Tim certainly played a role in that, so we'll give the tip of the cap uh, to Tim. Let's talk about special teams. Will Reichert, we're so pleased that he came back. Uh, he was 3 of 3 on field goals, including a critical 51-yarder uh, at a point in the game that, that tied it up, and again, it looked like we're going to turn the tide here. We're going to get something going. And uh, Reichard was uh, was instrumental with his, his three kicks. Uh, James Burnup was uh, equally as impressive punting. He had five for uh, 263. He had a 52.6 average, which is incredibly uh, impressive. He had a long of 61. Again, incredibly impressive. Uh, the long of 61, I think, would have gone further had it not uh, gone out of bounds. It, it still had uh, energy on the ball. It just uh, went out of bounds. And he had three inside the 20, which I think is a little bit misleading because he had a couple inside the 10. And so I thought he looked uh, really, really good. Kool-Aid had one punt return, and he was appropriately credited with losing six yards on the return. Uh, Kendrick Law had one kickoff return, and he was inappropriately uh, credited with a uh, 18-yard return when he should have been credited for a seven-yard loss. Uh, So there you have it uh, on special teams. So next up for Alabama, uh, Alabama travels uh, first road game of the season, travels to Tampa uh, to play at Raymond James against uh, the South Florida Bulls. Uh, It's one of those uh, sort of unique situations where uh, teams do home and homes, but uh, Alabama and South Florida did a two for one. Uh, So South Florida came to Tuscaloosa twice. Or maybe they still have one coming, but it's a two for one. They they're coming to Tuscaloosa twice. We go to Tampa once. Uh, I think Tampa's a great place for Al- Alabama to go play in terms of uh, Florida being a fertile recruiting ground. So I know that that had to sort of factor in. I imagine Friday down in Tampa, the coaches just aren't going uh, to have cigars, but they are going to uh, do some recruiting in uh, in the Tampa area. So that's uh, so that'll be good. Uh, Alabama's favored by thirty two which uh, is, a, is a big number. And, you know, Alabama fans, and I'm sure the team a little bit, has uh, some wounded ego. And so 32 sounds like a huge number. Uh, and it is. But uh, it, it's, it, it's a situation where Alabama needs to concentrate on Alabama. They don't need to think about – I mean, their scheme and game planning. I get it. I hear what I'm saying. Alabama needs to concentrate on Alabama. 
Alabama needs to focus on the quarterback situation. What is our quarterback situation? Do we truly have one defined starter and, and it's a huge separation or is it a competition? If it's a competition, let it be a competition. Maybe you start a different guy for the sake of it's a competition or Let's just say we only have the one quarterback, and then let's prepare our game plan accordingly. So Alabama has some sorting to do at the quarterback positions, and I say that pointing to the coaches uh, as much as the individual players. Uh, there's some sorting to do across the offensive line. Uh, I think there's, at least in practice, we need to present that it's an open that there are competitions at uh, positions, and if that lights the fire and by Thursday it's settled back out and it's the same five, I'm okay. But let's not do that without there being a fire. And defensive back, we've talked about. If we're going to simplify, let's let's simplify, and that might mean in dime that you don't have your best six guys out there. You don't literally have your best six guys out there, but you have less players moving positions, which magnifies the responsibilities that they have to be in control of, uh, that they have to be capable of playing. So, and again, we're talking game situations versus what we've seen in practice. And so maybe the coaches saw that uh, because the theory of, of the rotation is makes sense. And if you're doing that in practice and, and we're going to spend the next 45 minutes, you know, repping nickel packages. And then tomorrow we're going to spend 45 minutes repping nickel packages uh, or dime packages. And then you could across those two individual practice sessions, you could say, these are our best five. And you go out in the game and you're running nickel on this down and, and then now it's a third down. So we're going to run a dime and these plays are back to back to back. They're not sort of concentrated, distributed over days. Um, maybe you get a different answer to, uh, to the test question. And so that'll be interesting to see uh, how that evolves uh, or doesn't uh, over the coming week. And then Alabama as a whole needs to work on its blitz package. Uh, if that's just getting after the quarterback, if that's blitzing, if that stunts, I think uh, there's an opportunity for improvement in that regard. If I step back and I look at South Florida and I look at um, uh, the potential matchups, and we're going to have we're going to have a South Florida interview, and so we're going to get to know more uh, about their team. And so, from a little bit of a remove, uh, and I'm sort of reading some of the tea leaves that I'm seeing from uh, the ESPN, ESPN sort of win percentage and and um, uh, in the uh, the spread that's out there, I might look at a 34 to nine uh, style ball game. But it's a lot of work that Alabama needs to do uh, to to perform for the balance of the season at a level that uh, mirrors the expectation that Alabama fans have for the team. So with that, we're going to wrap up. Uh, that's our review of, of the Texas game. Uh, certainly not a lot of fun uh, to go to Tuscaloosa for a big game like that and have a loss. It's uh, quite deflating. And... Uh, We'll see, uh, we'll see how the team bounces back and uh, what sort of resolve uh, this team has over the, over the balance of the season. There's still an incredible amount of football to be played. And, uh, you know, as coaches, as coaches will say, you still control your own destiny. At this stage of the game, uh, destiny is still controlled. You hate to burn a mulligan this early, uh, but uh, it's a non-conference game, so Alabama can still win the West, still win the SEC, and um, – a one-loss SEC champion can can just about do anything. So uh, that opportunity is there. It's You can't predict that that's what Alabama's going to do. 
but it's not yet off the table. And so let's see what this team does. Let's see how they bounce back. And, um, We'll go from there. We appreciate you tuning in uh, to the podcast. Uh, Hey, if you like what we're doing here, uh, hit us up on iTunes. Give us a five-star review. Leave us a review. Leave leave us a comment. If you have questions or topics that you'd like for us to cover, hit us up at at, uh, at alabamafootballpodcast at uh, gmail.com. And if you really like what we're doing and you want to support the show, uh, head over to alabamafootballpodcast.com and uh, sign up to be part of the, uh, the the podcast team. If you sign up for the monthly uh, uh, program, you get 30 days free. It's $2 a month. If you sign up for the annual program, you get 45 days free, and uh, it's $18 a year. And you get all of our recordings early. Uh, you get invitations to Zoom or virtual tailgate calls, and then there's just a, a myriad of sort of benefits that sort of flow from that experience. So give us a go. It is certainly well worth it and uh, look forward to uh, meeting more of you and engaging more of you in that type of form. So with that, we're going to wrap it up. This has been another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. What do we do? We roll tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just to shout out a roll tide. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, T-shirts, free roster downloads, and of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tide. Got that, Coach? Of course. Roll Tide. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done.